know, you might have heard out there that before the, the saying, or be familiar with it, that uh, seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Now, we understand in a spiritual sense that it's sort of all the way around, that believing is seeing, but there's still a real aspect to what you're seeing, what you're looking at, that is what is, you're going to begin to believe. I was, uh, was just fascinated with, uh, in England, they have created and built a brand new arena. They call it ABBA Arena. And it's designed to uh, showcase the, uh, the, the uh, music group ABBA uh, from when they were at their height and they re- released some of their most popular songs. I, I know some of you, most of you, some of you might be, not even been born by then, but it was a group that <laughs> evidently England really likes. But the, uh, uh, and they had, some, they had some interesting songs, I thought. I, I, I remember that time. But they have duplicated the group. They have used holograms and AI, and they create a stage so that when you, the audience is watching, you cannot tell, for the most part, that it's a hologram on the stage. Just mind-blowing. In fact, one of the reviewers, it was really interesting the way he put it, one of the reviewers for, for this show that's, that's going on said, okay, at first it was... Uh, uh, not, not so good, uh, or, or if you could tell it wasn't real, but then you had to, uh, if you adjusted your eyes, if you suspended your disbelief, then pretty soon you could not tell. And I'm thinking, well, that's just fascinating, that your eyes got used to it. The longer that you watched, the longer you thought, that's real. I can't tell that there's not... Uh, the, because they used the original songs from 1979 and the uh, way they looked, and they did, had uh, actors that put on these suits and they made, created these holograms with the AI. Like that. So and the longer you watch, the more you look at it, the more you're thinking, that, that's, that must be real. And now, I find that that is something that's true in our life on a spiritual level. Because, you know, we live in a blind world leading blind people with make-believe realities. We really live in a blind world that's leading blind people, and they, 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 the, the result is that they're pointing to these uh, make-believe realities, these holograms. The world says, this is true. Why? Because we said it is. And you look at it long enough, you look at it long enough, and more and more people begin to say, hey, what? That, that, that probably is true. And this morning, I want us to stop and think about what are we looking at? What is it that we're focused on? And so often, what we believe, what we do, how we achieve, how we do things that God wants us to do, depends on what we're seeing, what we're fixed on, what our eyes are are looking at. Look at John 3, verse 3. It says that no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God, not just go to the kingdom, but perceive it, understand it. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So right off the bat, Jesus lays out a filter for what you're looking at and what you see. You cannot see. So sometimes we get really upset with the world because they don't see the kingdom of God. They don't know the truth. Uh, according to what Jesus said, if you do not have these, this, this understanding, this filter of who Jesus is or what he's doing, of the salvation that he brought... See, we perceive and we see the truth because of what God has done inside of us. 
And God is constantly working on people to help them understand there's a truth out there if you're just willing to see it. See, it starts right there with that filter. And there's many things that help us understand. But there's so many around us, even within the kingdom of God, that are wearing these blinders that cannot see. This morning, I just really want to focus on one little verse, but I want this verse to, to go in your heart, go in your mind, go in your spirit, let it, let it mar, uh, marinate. <laughs> You know, think about the food we're about to have this, 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 this afternoon. Think about that. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Let us, let us run with perseverance. Literally, let us run with strength. Let us run to win. Let us run and be successful. The race that God has for us. This is our, our spiritual walk, our spiritual thing. If you want to run the race and do it well and thrive and see your family thrive and see work thrive and see uh, your spiritual walk thrive. If you want to do that, if you want to persevere like God has you for this race that he's laid out, then here's the answer. By fixing your eyes on Jesus, looking to him, fixing on who Jesus is and what Jesus can do, because he is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now, we really get this word uh, perfecter is a, is a Greek word. It's one of my favorite Greek words in the New Testament. <laughs> I have Old Testament words, uh, loving kindness, which is hesed in the uh, Old Testament. It's one of my favorite words. But in the, in, the, in the New Testament, one of my favorite words besides maybe imitation is uh, this word perfecter. And it's teleos. Now, you're thinking, oh, trying to impress us with Greek? No, not at all. But you need to understand what that to understand that verse. Because teleos, it means has a very specific meaning. Uh, it, it means perfecter in the sense that he brings us to completion. It brings us to the end. In fact, that's where we get the word telescope. Because if you're looking at a telescope, where you are is suddenly brought to the end. And that's what God is doing in your life. God is the author. He is the beginning. He is the one that writes it. He's the one that starts it. And he is the one that brings us to completion. He's the one that will bring you to the end. And all of that happens through Jesus. That's the middle part of that verse. You see, the, the, if, if, if we're going to win, if we're going to be successful, if you, if you want to thrive in what God is doing in your life, then the way that happens is you have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You have to be focused on who he is and what he's doing because he's the one that will break you, bring you to the end. He's the one that will unlock all these things. If we're fixing our eyes on Jesus and you think, well, what does that mean, Greg? When I fix your eyes on Jesus? Well, fixing your eyes on Jesus, it's, it's like a key. So it is the key, fixing your eyes on Jesus, but a key won't work, even if it's the right key, unless you, when you put it in, you turn it. It can go in, it, it, can, it, can, it can do all that, but unless you put the key in, unless you turn it, that's what unlocks it. The key turns the, uh, the bolts, and, and all of a sudden, you're able to enter in. And so when we're thinking about who Jesus is and how do we do that, then some people say, hey, I got the key. I, I love Jesus. You know, I, I go to church. You know, it's a good thing. I, I do all these things like that. Okay, that's great. But what are you doing with Jesus? That's what it means to have your eyes fixed on him. What are you actually doing with him? Are you, what, how are you interacting with with what God is doing in your life. If you're just sitting back there, I got the key, I got the key, I got the key. You can stand there and say, I got the key all day, but you're not getting in that building. You're not getting into your house. 
The other day, uh, we have a, a, not a key, but you know, with a digital, you push the buttons, and we push the buttons, and push the buttons, and, and all of a sudden, it wasn't working, and then it blinked at me, and then it was mad at me, and then it said, you got to just get, you punish me. You have to be outside for 10 minutes, because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm thinking, what, what is this? But see, you can have the key, but unless you turn it, mm, what are you doing with Jesus? Unless you're doing something with Jesus. That is the key to, to understand everything and to see what God is trying to do in our life this morning. See, it's so important we understand that, that Jesus wants to move in our life and we, we want to be focused on him. But sometimes we focus and we think, uh, I got Jesus, uh, I go to church. Or I got Jesus, I wear a cross. Or I, I got Jesus, I do this or I do that. And none of those things by themselves do it. What happens is when we start to interact with it, when we start to do more of that, because you might think, okay, Greg, really? Fix on Jesus? What does that mean? Do I just stare at a picture? I remember my grandmother had a picture of Jesus, you know, the, the American blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, you know, that they used to have. And, up there, and I always under, looked at that, and I, and I actually thought, I said, what if he didn't look like that? Actually, I'm fine with that, because Jesus is, should, should look like whatever, whatever you want. That, that's fine. We know... He was a Jew, and he looked like a Jew. But staring at that picture isn't fixing your eyes on Jesus. But doing what he wants us to do and responding to what God is trying to say into us, that's what it means to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. And what are you looked at? What are you looking at this morning? Where are you fixed? What are you doing? How do we, how do we respond to, to say, okay, my eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. What do I need to do? This morning I want to talk to you very simply about seeing Jesus in a world of holograms. <laughs> because that's what the world does. It puts up a hologram and says, this is real. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to follow. And if you look at it long enough, if you follow it long enough, you might think, hey, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's what I need to do. That's who I am. So when we live in this world filled with holograms, and you understand what I mean, filled with this is what's true and this is what's right and live like this way and do this, when we live in this world, how do we see Jesus? You know, recently I've been intrigued by these stories that says, hey, uh, use AI and it'll write your sermon for you. It can even deliver it, <laughs> you know? It can even do it. And, and as, as nice as it is to have resources, and I use resources every single week. I get on the computer, I do my research, I look up words, I look up commentaries, I, I study so then make sure that what I'm, what I'm sharing is from what God wants for us and, and understand the, the, the truth behind all that. But there's a big difference in just taking what's there, even if it's all right, even if it's theologically all right, putting it together, because that's just rote. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is alive. It's moving. It is something that empowers us. It's so much more than just saying words. And I've been around people that say words and say, I a Christian, I say these words, I do these things, and okay, that's good, those are good words, but have they got a hold of you? Are they got a hold of you, the way you're thinking, the way you're living, the way you're behaving, the way you treat your spouse, your children, your employer, your employees? Is that where it's affected? Does it affect your family life? Does it affect your pocketbook? <laughs> what, what part are we looking at? What part have we surrendered to God? Jesus was with his disciples, and he was approaching Jericho. They were coming along, and in front of Jericho, in sort of a prime spot, was a, a blind man who begged there. 
And this blind man was sitting there, and Jesus was, was coming. And I think probably at first people, he heard noises. He thought, what's going on? There's something different going on. There's, there's people gathering around, and people are talking and, 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 and such. And what's going on? And he probably thought, hey, someone important is coming along. Maybe I'll get a donation. Maybe he'll throw a few coins my way. And maybe he gets hopeful. And then all of a sudden he hears the fact, this is Jesus. He's heard of Jesus. <laughs> if you're hurting, you've heard of Jesus. If you're really, really hurting, there's, there's, you're looking, you're searching. You may not know how to find it. You may not know where it is, but you're looking for something. And this man was looking. He's blind. He can only see blindness. He can only see the, the fake images in his mind. Imagine maybe what the world was like. He's looking as a man in an empty world. And that does, if that doesn't describe who we are and what our world is like, I don't know what does. Looking at emptiness. As Jesus came close, all of a sudden his heart began to stir and he started to, to cry out, said, Jesus, son of David. See, he knew who he was. Son of David was the term you would use for the Messiah. He was saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He was crying out, Jesus, help me. His eyes were turning, even though they could not see yet. Even though they were still blind, he was shouting, fixing his eyes on the hope that wasn't there yet, but he was believing for. Now, what's fascinating is that there was pushback. He's a blind man asking Jesus to heal him, and there were people around him saying, hey, no, 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 no. What were they saying? Live in the darkness. Stay in the darkness. And you will always find pushback in your life. There will be someone around you, sometimes close, sometimes far, wherever, that push back and say, no, no, that's not real. This is real. Stay in the darkness. There's always going to be those to try to contain you, try to push you back and keep you in the world of darkness. Luke chapter 18, verse 39, it says that those, now watch this. This is disturbing on some levels. It says, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted, all the more. That's two different words. Cry was like cry out, and shout is a whole nother word. It's a whole nother level. He raised it up. Instead of being, instead of being pushed back, there's that perseverance. Instead of being, oh, man, this didn't work out. The pastor was mean to me. He didn't talk to me. He walked right by me. I was, you know, come on, I'm getting real. Well, I got home, and this happened, or this happened, and all of a sudden, yeah, what's the point, you know? I, I, I read, I read my, I did my devotion every day, well, most of the days, and, and I read a verse, and, you know, and then I gave it to God, and then went on, and it didn't feel like anything was happening. <laughs> Sometimes it's easy to feel that way. But what happens is that he heard Jesus was coming, he cried out, and then he raised it to a whole other level, instead of being pushed back. And this one thing, you just put in your spirit, it, it, he stepped up. He was still blind, and he stepped up. He was still hurting, and he stepped up. It, the answer wasn't there, and he stepped up and said, no, 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 Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Wow, that's just so amazing. The man was hoping for something so much more, so much more than just a few coins. He, he had moved past that. He wasn't talking about, Jesus, give me some money. <laughs> Sometimes people come to God and say, God, I need money. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, God, I need you. I need you in my life. And that's what this man was calling out. 
help me find something more. And because he, he stopped just seeing and he was seeking. He was seeking what God was trying to do. He was seeking everything that God was trying to do in his life. He was crying out for that. Now, you've got to understand what this meant. Okay, he was in the front. Okay, this Jericho was on the way to Jerusalem. So anyone going up to Jerusalem would go through Jericho. So this is, in the, this is like the front door. He had a prime, prime spot. So to sort of cause a disturbance, it not, wasn't looked on very highly. To cause a disturbance meant that, that the people that were supporting him, some of the people that threw coins in his little cup as they went in so that he could live, so he could eat, these are the very ones that might have been pushing back, saying, hey, shh, be quiet. <laughs> you know, these are the ones that would be frowning on him from doing that. This was a prime spot. He was, he was risking everything. He was risking his past. He was willing to get up away from his past and say, you know what? I think, God, you have something more for me. But here's what's crazy. It says, those who led the way, who were they? Well, you could say maybe it was the crowd. Maybe it was some of the religious leaders. But most likely, what is obvious, were the disciples. The very ones who were meant to help. The very ones that should have been picking him up and carrying him to Jesus. The very ones that should have been holding his hand. Let me, let me take you to Jesus. Let me guide you. Were the very ones saying, hey, not now. We got things to do. We got people to see. We got ministry to take care of. Come on. Were the very ones that pushed back. Were the very ones that rejected. Hmm. You see, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus by not letting broken people blind us. And this world is filled with broken people. And it's so easy to think that's what we're looking at. We're looking at that person. And it, it breaks my heart when I see ministries or, or leaders, uh, spiritual leaders, uh, stumble and fall and struggle like, okay, maybe you did last week. <laughs> and yet we look at that and we say, oh, see, that's not right and that's not right. And there's a hypocrite and the whole thing is hypocrisy and blah, 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 blah. And, all that, and what all that is doing is that you're focusing and you're looking on, at broken people instead of fixing your eyes on Jesus. You cannot allow broken people. And there will always be someone broken. <laughs> the enemy will make sure that some broken person will get in front of your way, and you'll be going, oh, man, I can't believe that. The one, the, when they should have been helping, when the, the, the very ones that should have been helping were hurting, instead of leading him, looking to Jesus, instead of pointing him to Jesus. It's crazy. Of course, Jesus sees him and, and heals him, and it was just miraculous. The Bible says he jumps up, and he follows Jesus. He's a follower. It was, it was an incredible moment because he... He persevered because he didn't allow the broken people to stop him. And when you, in your life, I love you guys. Just listen to what I'm saying. This is real biblical truth, is that there will be broken people in your life. And your goal isn't to push them away. Your goal is to help them and not allow their brokenness to push you back. Because you cannot see Jesus when all you're seeing are broken people. You won't, you won't be able to fix on what God's trying to do in your life. I told you to be practical. <laughs> Jesus then goes into the city, and you think it's a different story, because it's the story of Zacchaeus. You heard the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. I don't know if you can say that anymore. We used to sing that. It's probably all wrong. Politically correct. Incorrect. I'm sorry. Can't do that anymore. He was vertically challenged man, 
and he, uh, and he, you know, the story is he heard Jesus was coming. So he runs and climbs a sycamore tree, and he looks down, and he's trying to, trying to find Jesus. But you realize it's the same story. It's a story of blindness. Because Zacchaeus wasn't blind physically, but he had trouble seeing. Because other things were in his eyes. Other things were there. Luke 19.3 says, he wanted to see. See how the story gets tied all together. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Not, not you know, the, the character of Jesus was, but which one was Jesus he was trying to find Jesus, and we're in a world that's desperate to find Jesus, the real Jesus. And they're looking here and they're looking there, but they're blinded by all kinds of things. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, or vertically challenged, he could not see over the crowd. See, it's easy to start blaming others. He couldn't see, so it's physical. <laughs> it's it's, he couldn't see, so it's the people. He couldn't see, so it's my parents. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it, 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 it's easy to look around and say, I can't see because of all these things. And that's exactly where Zacchaeus was. But ultimately, we understand that the blindness came, very specifically, the Bible says, from his riches. From the very thing that he thought was a blessing. From the very good opportunities. From the very good fortune in life, or all these things, or the wise decisions that he made, or all these things, it was these riches, and all he saw, all he saw was that, that amazing thing, that, that greed, or, or that gold, or all, that's all he saw, and it consumed him, and we live in a world, that's all they see, <laughs> and it's easy for that to start to creep into our eyes, oh God, I'm going to love you, but man, if you can just do this, if I can just have this. If I can have this boat, you know, they say the first day you own a boat is your happiest day, and then you're miserable until you sell it. I don't know. That's not true. That's why we do the boat club and stuff like that. I don't, you know. I just have friends who do that, <laughs> who, by the way, haven't taken me out lately. So just saying, all right, probably the anointing just whoo, flew out the door. He climbed up because he wanted to see. He climbed up because he wanted to see. He, he climbed up. I was at my amazing chiropractor, Dr. Sosa, and uh, he, was, he was telling me, he, he, said, he said, the neck gets sort of out of place. There should be a natural curve to it. And what happens is that like 98% of the people that come in, the curve isn't there because uh, they're looking down all the time. We're looking down. We look down at our computers. We look down at our phones. We're always looking down, always looking down. And that curve gets messed up. He said, but 2%. This is the other problem. 2%, the curve is the wrong way. And I, I said, really? He said, yeah. He, and I said, well, who are those? He said, they're all painters. <laughs> True. He said, they're all painters. The curve's curve. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Which way you're looking is going to determine what's in your heart. Which way you're looking, I just, I just wanted to preach at him right there. Uh, he'd probably like that. But anyway, but he says, which way are you looking? Are, are you looking up? Is your heart... Up are you looking, this is the reason, and that's the reason, and that's the reason, and all these things are around us. Jesus stopped. He saw him up there and said, Zacchaeus, come on down, because I'm going to eat at your house. <laughs> that's biblical. Anyway, he said, come on down, because we're going to, and at the dinner, everything changed. 
everything changed because it says that Zacchaeus stood up. He stood up and said, hey, I've been looking at the wrong thing. I've been fixed on the wrong thing. I thought it was about money. I thought it was about finances. I thought it was about getting things. I thought it was about success. Am I hitting where you're at yet? Come on, come on. I thought it was about all these things. All, and the world builds up these holograms and says, ooh, isn't this nice? And this is amazing. And it's not real. And it's like sand that just slips through our fingers. He stood up and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make amends. Because the biblical foundation of that was if you cheated anyone, you had to return it four times over. So uh, 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 like five times you had to give back what they have and then give four times what you cheated them to give back to them. And he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to change. See, all of a sudden he got his eyes fixed on the wrong, the right thing from the wrong thing. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, if you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus, you need to make sure by not letting that brief glory, that brief glory blind us. The brief glory that says, oh, I just need that. I need that spouse, not this one. I need to do this thing. I need to have that job. I need to do this. And we do this, and we run around, and we run around, and we run around. I'm not saying you don't ever you know, have a new job or whatever, or, or God doesn't want to bless us or give you a, a great boat. I think all that's there. But don't be fixed on it. Because that's the world that says, this is what's great. This is what the hologram is unique. Proverbs 23, 5. I love this verse. It says, cast but a glance at riches. Just barely see there. Because if you don't, they are gone. And they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. An eagle just soars away. And man, it is gone. And so do the things that we think are so wonderful. The, the great things that we're thinking. If I just had that, I would be awesome. <laughs> I would have everything. And God said, are you looking for that, or are you looking at me? Are you fixed on me? Are you fixed on what I'm, I'm trying to do in your life? If our eyes are fixed on him and not the glory of this world, then everything changes. But if all we see are the holograms, if all we see are these things that we think those are satisfied, then we end up with just nothing. Now, you would think at this point that this story of blindness, of Jesus healing blindness ends. But it actually doesn't. It says that when Jesus was leaving Jericho, when he was on his way out, <laughs> there were two blind men there. Now, what's striking about this is this story is very, 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 almost identical to the first story. And it's in Matthew. And some would say, well, Matthew just got it wrong. And then Matthew said he was coming out, but that's all that's important. And Matthew said there was two, but really there's one. It's really the same story. And that just does it. It doesn't, doesn't work, doesn't fly at all. <laughs> because it was very clear that when he left that there was, there was two men there. But you see, they said the same thing. Now watch this, because this will change our lives. They said the same thing. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the people tried to stop them, because <laughs> some things aren't or always the same. So you're thinking, well, how could it be so similar then? Well, that's easy. Because the Bible says in the, the blind man in the front of Jericho got up and followed him. But somewhere around following him, all of a sudden, something began to stir in his heart. <laughs> Look what it says in Matthew 20, verses uh, 29 to verse 30. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, two men were sitting 
by the roadside, two blind men, and they were calling out, Jesus, son of David. And the reason they were saying this is I believe with all my heart, the blind man that was already said, ran to them and said, let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you how to find Jesus. Let me tell you how to turn everything around. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you why I'm different. Let me tell you, I can see. You can tell that I can see, but I can see. And you can see, too, if you learn how to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they cried out. You see, I think the similarity comes from the fact that there was a compassion in the first one that was willing to deal with something, willing to, to not allow his past to hold him back. The blind man was, uh, was, was at the at the front of the gate, was all of a sudden at the rear of the gate because somebody else was blind. Somebody else was there. You may think, how does all this happen? How, how can this happen? It's because he was willing to change. He was willing to not let his past hold him back. Because you see, if we fix our eyes on, on Jesus, if they fix our eyes on Jesus by not letting the brutal past blind us, because it could have been easier for him to say, I'm done. Whew. I can see, and I can, be one, I can be a regular disciple now. I can be one of these disciples. Because I, I can see Jesus. I can follow Jesus. But somewhere in that, something begins to say, wait, there's somebody else that's hurting. There's somebody else that was just like me. There's somebody else that we're leaving behind. And I've got to tell them. I've got I to gotta let them know how to find Jesus. It's easy just to move on. Sometimes we have things in our past of who we were, it just, we just want to cover it up. And the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about that, about the man that was forgiven so much by the king but would resent and, and hope, throw the man that owed him $10 in prison. What was this one? Someone who forgot. Someone that allowed the past to hold him back. And we have to be a people that say, if we're going to be fixed on Jesus, we have to be willing to share Jesus and to share Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in our life. You know, I often reflect back on the story. You've got to go know the story. If you know the story, if you know the story, then you know how to live. So I reflect back on the original story. Do you realize that the first hologram was in the garden? The first hologram was in the garden? Because there's Adam and Eve sitting there, and, and don't just blame all this on, on Eve, because Adam is sitting there being silent. Come on, guys, you've got to speak up sometimes. The, the, the woman was deceived, the Bible says, but the man chose. He just, he just said, I'm just going to do this because this looks like fun. But the, it, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, watch this. It says, the woman saw, so we're talking about eyes, he, she saw that the, the fruit of the tree was good, very deliberate. She saw that it was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She saw all that. There's just like this pear or this plum or whatever, this fig. A lot of people think it was a fig. What it would do, big, juicy, perfect fig. I don't know, it was garden. <laughs> and then she saw there, and she saw, hey, that, that's, well, that's nice. It was good. <laughs> and then she saw, man, that, that's really, really good. And then she saw, the longer she looked at it, come on. But she walked by that tree maybe a million times. We don't know how long they were in the garden before all this happened. Years and years and years, maybe centuries. Who knows? 
she saw that, but this time she was looking at it differently. And when you look around and you see it and you're fixed on it, and she, oh, this is really good. But you know what's crazy? It's the Bible says that God is good. And now what is she saying is good? She replaced God. She walked in the garden with God. I think God was on one side and Adam was on the other and Eve was on the other. And I think they walked together. She knew God was good. And now she said, no, that, that's good. Mm. And when we look at the holograms of this world all around us and we say, that's good. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to follow. All of a sudden, it changes everything. And we lose what God is trying to do. I say, Greg, how do I live? How do I really live with my eyes fixed on Jesus? Hebrews says, I need to, I need to have my eyes fixed on Jesus. How do I do that? You need to let go of that past. You need to be focused on what God is doing instead of looking at the... the the things around us or the broken people around us or the things that, that, are, that are holding us back and just say, God, come, I'm here. You know, we sang that song, There's Another in the Fire. Oh, I love that song. There's another in the fire. Jesus is with me. But as I sat there or stood there and worshiped, the Holy Spirit just stirred my heart. Are you willing to go into the fire? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't go on the fire. Jesus, you go on the fire. I'll say, Jesus, go get them. Jesus goes in there. No, 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 no. But he said, sometimes they can't see me. Are you willing to step in the fire? And all of a sudden, the song began to take a different meaning. There's another in the fire. And it's me. And I'm saying, do you see Jesus? Because you can't see the reality until you know him. You can't see the fakeness of this world or the greed or the desires. You can't see how it's just empty sand that flows through your fingers until you look and you see Jesus. Am I willing to go in the fire and say, Jesus is here. I can't save anybody. If I could, I don't know if I'd save everybody. <laughs> because I'm just flesh. But God can. So what is our job? Go get him, Jesus. Jesus, I'll step in the fire with him. I'll be in the fire and say, there's another in the fire. <laughs> Fix your eyes on him and not on this fire. And it changes everything. It changes everything. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your glory permeate our hearts. God, it's so easy to see the brutal past to see the brief glory, to see the broken people and just think that's, that's what the world is and instead of fixing our eyes on you and God will never see you as long as we're focused on those things. God, I pray you'd open our eyes. I pray that every single person in this room and every single person watching online and every single person that ever watches this video in the future, God would just have a hunger in their heart and they would begin to understand, I need God. Because only as I receive Jesus in my life, only as I receive God in my life, can I begin to understand the truth and the realities that God has for me. Fixing my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the completer of all that I am. God, I pray for that. I pray for every one of us. That God, that every heart, every person listening right now would just open up and say, Jesus, come in my life. I need you. I need you now. I need you in my life. Father, I pray that you would do that. In the name of Jesus, amen. And I pray with all my heart.
that the willingness of your heart to say, I'll go to the fire for somebody else. I'll step inside so someone else can be pointed to who Jesus is. Amen. You receive the word. God is good, isn't he?